It is the December 10th. Well, we're recording this on the 9th. It's close enough. December 9th slash 10th edition of the PFF forecast. This is a great one. We've got Seren Petro, Chiefs aficionado. We're going to talk a ton about the Chiefs and Mahomes. He has a really good story about Andy Reid that you want to stick around for. And uh, before that, we're going to hit the week uh, weekly slate. Let's get it. as I said, I didn't say let's rock. I don't know if that's official, mm-hmm. but I, I just said it here. Um, we have Saran on the show. He's fantastic. You have a Bill Walton quote that's also incredible. Um, this is a whirlwind week. I was thinking back to last week. We had a Wednesday game. I didn't mind the Wednesday game. There was no Thursday. You know, you got that. It was it was a little bit of a rest. It was weird, though, because, right, so you do the simulation Tuesday normally, and then you had to wait till Thursday. This week, we at least got to do it on Wednesday. It's going to be nice. I mean, yeah, not having, a, like, a Tuesday game next week or a Wednesday game. You better watch out. Um, better not cry. Better not. Okay. Um, <laughs> by the way, my kids are, like, going to Wisconsin this weekend. So we're having family. Like, and I'm staying here because, you know. Yeah. And so we're doing we're doing like family Christmas like tomorrow all of a sudden. Oh really? Yeah. So you didn't tell me about this. Well, you so wrap presents. We're recording uh, podcasts for it. You yeah. gotta go. Um. So so our schools went remote. Uh-huh. You know, my wife teaches at their school, but my wife's got to teach in you know during the day at the school. My so my kids are at home trying to do work, and I'm trying to shuffle that around. Mm-hmm. And so my in laws, you know, well like we'll take them. So they're just going to stay in in Wisconsin for four weeks. Party. Yeah. So, um, but then that means we have to do Christmas as a family, like now. Um, So that's that's tomorrow. Somehow the kids just win repeatedly in the scenario. Dude, they just, they get. just an avalanche of goodness. Like, okay, if anybody, you know, well, I'm mostly speaking to you, you right? No kids. Um, Noted lover of children. Every it's it's always the motivation. You like okay, if you don't do this, Christmas is canceled. You don't do this, then Maddie's birthday is February. Okay, your birthday's canceled, and then Chloe's birthday is May. Okay, that's canceled. Fourth of July is canceled. Thanksgiving's can, like Halloween. Halloween's a big one. I don't know if you've actually budgeted this yet in in your. I, I haven't. Okay, Halloween is a Halloween's it's a, a sick man. Yeah, I I do the same thing with myself. That's how I get myself through the day. Got, oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the same thing. Um, it, it, but for you, it's like scotch. <laughs> you will not be able to drink this tequila tonight if you yeah. don't get this done. Actually, the way I do it is I'm like, you can't work out until you get these things done. That's That gets me going. And then it's tequila. Um, this week is going to be f- pretty fun. I, I like a lot of these games. We're going to talk to Saran about Kansas City, Miami. Um, we'll talk about that here because I actually want to consider it as – one of the locks of the week. But let's start on Thursday because we wrote this one up. It was New England plus six. It's now New England plus five. Oh. Yeah, it's moved a little bit. Um, it's int- I, I was curious, your thoughts on why, like, so Green Line, our betting dashboard, our model, doesn't show an edge on either side. Well, because the key number, I mean, your five is such a dead number. You're not getting not- a lot. Is that is that the, I mean, that was what I kind of thought. Plus the total... 
Cam Newton a little banged up. Cam Newton a little banged up. Um, offensive line, you know, uh, Win Mason all up, you know, out. Um, but here's the thing: I always like to think about what's in our models and what's not, and you know, think about what are some of those ancillary pieces that you know might push me one way or the other, and. The Jared Goff versus Bill Belichick matchup, the Patriots having been in L.A. this entire time, you know, I think there's there's a difference between a road trip and a a time to bond with your teammates in Los Angeles sort of deal. Um, and the fact that the Rams, to me, feel like a team that is just not quite ready to sustain success yet. <laughs> they just had a big win against Arizona. And um, I, I don't know, I like the matchup a lot. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, that's why I liked it at six. Low I total. Think, I think that's why you know we advise people to grab it at six. It's not really a teaseable play. Mm -mm. Um, it's not in either direction. You don't want to tease through zero because you're basically just selling points for nothing there. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm probably just going to lay off this after I've gotten the six. And you could have had the six. You know, it was Monday. You know, it was probably up to like I think 119 on Pinnacle all the way into Tuesday, and then now it's you know people have, have the 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 betters have spoken here, and I think that that's really where you want to lay off this. You know, who's the better quarterback in that game? Uh man, I think Newton is more talented. I think they get. I think the Rams get more out of Goff. Both players have less than a 43 passer rating when when pressured. Yeah. But they're very different, obviously. Uh, Cam Newton gets so much. And neither guy, they have the same big-time throw rate. Um, Goff turns, has a higher turnover-worthy play rate. Um, they're, both, they're both really kind of meh quarterbacks this year. Because I think you can make the case that this six points, or this five points, is really about the market valuing the Rams' defense. And that's something I want to fade as well. I, I don't think it's very clear. I think Jared Goff, you probably lean that way based on how he's playing this year. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you can definitively say that Jared Goff is a better quarterback, which means you're in a better quarterback getting five-point situation. Anyways, I, I digress. I wanted to make that pitch. I think six was the number you wanted it at. If I had to bet that game right now, I would still certainly take New England plus five, especially with that, such a low total. Um, let's go to the next game. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Which game? Um... Oh well, let's just get it, get it, get it through. Well, is this game actually available? Let me look. Uh, you know, the one the one that I'm thinking of, but this is probably because of Daniel Jones's injury. Mm. Um, I do know that I've seen Arizona laying two and a half on the road against the Giants. Um, this is a classic, right? And so let's let's see and let's make sure that we can actually get this number if we really want to talk about it because, like. If this thing's under a field goal, you're you have to take Arizona, right? Because you're buying Arizona at the at the bottom, right? They really haven't hit. won a game straight up since they started six and three. And right? can we talk about? No, no. It was they were five well, and two, they, they, right? They and won they, the Hail Murray. Yeah, yeah. And they lost four out of the last five, and that was the one in the in the middle. So you're buying them low, right? And we talked about this. We were on Kevin's show. We were on Arizona over seven was not a lock. And the reason was is because all of the the pop-up teams in the NFL, you see it all the time. You're a, a lot of people are a year early on them. And I think the markets were a year early on Arizona and we're starting to see yeah, well, Jesus. <laughs> that one the mar that, that stop the count with that with that one. <laughs> um the 
But you know, with them, it's it's the passing game. You, you saw the the route map that they, that NGS mm-hmm. was throwing out there with Hopkins. Not that creative. Um, Murray is not throwing the ball, you know, really well in the intermediate area. Um, and the defense is not that good. And so, but I look at this game specifically, and if you yeah, can, that was a great sell job, by the way. What do you mean? Well, <laughs> you know, I get what you're going. I get. Yeah, what you're but like, but but the 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 New York Giants. I mean, come on, like this is. Their defense is okay. I think Bradbury will do a good job on Hopkins, but um, you know Arizona should be able to go in there and take care of business. I do not think that there has been a bigger overreaction to one team doing one thing in one week than what has happened to the New York Giants. Let's think about what happened this week, okay? Yeah. Colt McCoy plays. They beat the Seahawks. All of a sudden, the New York Giants certainly going to win the NFC East. Well, uh, Booger said that on NFL primetime. They're the best team in the NFC East. Like, They're going to win the division, I'm, definitively. Yeah, definitively. They get flexed. Think about this. The Cowboys and the 49ers were playing on Sunday night. I would have bet a lot of money that that was going to be – well, not a lot of money, but I would have bet if I had to bet on one game being the most highly rated Sunday night game. I would have bet on that Two-story franchises in the NFL, for sure. It got flexed out so that the Browns and the Giants could play on Sunday Night Football in New York. Like, to say that the Giants' tires are getting pumped is an, is an understatement. And I don't understand it because you still don't... Daniel Jones is still the quarterback that, that makes them good. Like, Colt McCoy did not win that game for them. Like, let's, yeah. let's not overreact here. And also, Daniel Jones is coming back from an injury. Yeah. And, a, and a large part of what Daniel Jones... And I think Daniel Jones when healthy, is easily the best quarterback in that division, has been the best quarterback in that division. Obviously not counting Dak, right? Because he's he's out now. Mm-hmm. But um, this is a really big projection. And, I, and it takes out of consideration that fucking Seattle does this every year. Like Very true. They do this every single year. They have like, they lost a game, I think, in Tampa one year, like 8-6 eight, like eight, or some mm-hmm. bullshit like that. Like, they lose. They lost at home to Kirk Cousins in the rain that one game in 2017. Like they just have these farts every year, and it's like Joe Judge, coach of the year, is also uh, cropped up. Like let's forget Kevin Stefanski for a second, and then let's forget uh, Brian Flores. Brian Flores, and then let's forget Mike Tomlin. Yeah, and then let's forget fucking Andy Reid and, and Pete Carroll. Yeah, I mean, look, the numbers not there, so we can't. I don't think in good conscience we can consider it. I would say though, keep your Look, if, if Daniel Jones is announced a starter, and it's still and it's and it's less than a field goal, go ahead and take Arizona because you're you're it's a classic. This team sucks. This team's on the rise, and yeah, sometimes that works, but most of the time you're overreacting to shit. What would this spread have been three weeks ago? A touchdown? I would have gone. I'm putting my thinking hat on here. I'm thinking about Sunday morning. I'm guessing the lines, preparing yeah. to duel with you in about 15 hours. And uh, I would have gone six and a half, I think. Yeah, it's on. It's 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 insane. You're getting tremendous value here. Um, if you like the Giants and it's two and a half, go get some Arby's and bet a teaser, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Let go me for go. It. Third. Let game. me go to my my third game, which is a uh, another opportunity that I don't think um, this is less of an opportunity, but it's still an opportunity. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And the Lord in this case 
is Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I love this one. Deshaun Watson is uh, the best quarterback in the NFL, not named Patrick Mahomes. And I think he's starting to get close. I mean, he is playing absolutely amazing football. 91.1 overall grade, 120 pass rating from a clean pocket. Big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio of uh, close to four to one. He's incredible. And he gets a chance to basically be in a pick'em situation with Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback that the Chicago Bears selected over him. And there's a lot of talk, you can go back and look at this, about Deshaun Watson talking about, hey, look, the Bears, you know, they never even hit me up. Like they had no interest in me. I don't know why. Um, my coach called me the next Michael Jordan. The team in Chicago decided to ignore me. They didn't even check me out. All of this stuff. I am ready. My body is ready to watch Deshaun Watson. Remember when Mahomes went in there and he counted to 10? I just, I can't wait for what Deshaun Watson's going to do to the Chicago Bears. Give me the Houston Texans. Minus one in Chicago. Yeah, that one's one I like a lot. Okay. <laughs> there is nothing, I, I, nothing else to dude, say. True, no, like both of these teams are coming off of devastating losses to rivals, right? Mm -hmm. um, and... I think uh, I, if I'm going to look at which team will rebound from that better, it's going to be a team who has a player like Deshaun Watson and not a team who has a player like Mitch Trubisky and coached by Matt Nagy. Let's also remember that the Bears lost to the Lions. The Texans lost to the Colts, on a, and they were about to score a touchdown that would have won the game. What is this spread if the Texans punch that in for a touchdown and win the game? Uh, I think you could say it might be three. It might cross three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, beating the Colts that that because I you know I mean the Colts are a good team. The Lions are not. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I would say that it's probably three and a half, maybe. Who would you rather start a quarterback for your team, Mitchell Trubisky or Carson Wentz? Uh, Kendall Hinton. <laughs> I mean, at least at least like can the Bears trade for Carson Wentz? Is there ca their caps in horrible situation? Isn't no it? I don't know. We joke. have to ask Brad. It's I, a joke. I, don't I just think that'd be really funny. Okay, here's one. Bears it, fans would burn down Soldier Field if that happened. Minnesota plus six and a half at Tampa. Everything about this game makes me want to hate want Minnesota. To I actually, I I went on our friend Matthew Collar's podcast. Um, he's fantastic. He's great. If you haven't mm -hmm. checked out his his podcast, Purple Insider, yeah. Yep, he does great work. He does fantastic work. And it's interesting, even if you're not a Vikings fan, um, if you're a Tampa Bay Bucks fan, you should go listen to it. But we talked about this game. And the more that I thought about this game, the more I liked the Vikings getting six and a half points. And I, can I tell you my number one reason then you can rock into yours? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to run the ball on first down an obnoxious number of times. And it's going to give Kirk Cousins just the opportunity he needs to get through that back door. Uh, I can I can I say this without being now this is a little facetious. Probably not. Tongue in cheek, but Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback getting points in this oh game. Oh my God. Like Kirk's playing Kirk's playing. Say that again well. for the people in the back. <laughs> Who's a better quarterback than no, I'm I'm most I'm joking. Yeah, but yeah. but Kirk is not that much worse than Brady is this year, is he not? I Kirk's would, playing really well. Here's what I would say. In a vacuum, it's not close. Tom Brady is a better quarterback. But we have not seen a 
lot of examples of Tom Brady and the passing game producing outcomes that are commensurate with the process that Tom Brady puts in. And what I mean by that is like Tom Brady's playing really well, and yet somehow the Tampa Bay Bucks offense doesn't really scare you that much. Like if you said, "Hey, I'm going to give, um, I'm going to give Andy Reid, Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, like every team in the NFL's pooped their pants," but no one's pooping their pants against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Whereas the the Minnesota Vikings, well, like, it's Kirk, the polarization, right? It's like it's why no one is pooping their pants at the United States anymore. It's polarization. Like you have Brady. It's a culture war between Brady and Arians right now. Do you think we can and work? Brady, that's why work. Brady is preferring to throw it to Fat Lenny in the in the flat instead of run the offense. Do you think we can work that phrase into the pod repeatedly? <laughs> swimming butt naked in an ocean of sin, as they say. Um, is the offense swimming butt naked in the ocean of sin? I feel like they are. Kirk Cousins. Sorry. 121 passer rating from a clean pocket. Tom Brady, 109. Tom Brady uh, very much struggling under pressure. And we talk about how that is... Um, you know, that, that fluctuates a lot. And, and I could see that regressing a little bit uh, towards the mean, back up towards the mean, especially because they've had a couple of weeks to figure it out. And, and my big thing is, is he's always been a guy that needs to trust where he's going with the ball. And it, you can see right now, Bruce talked about this a little bit, like the trust just isn't there. Well, and the Vikings don't have a pass rush to save their life. So that that's like yeah, passing under pressure only matters when you're under pressure. Yeah, so that that would be my biggest matters. concern is I don't think Minnesota actually has the pass rush to 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 make this thing um, work, and and that that's partially why you know when you but, look at all the numbers, it you, it might shake out in Minnesota's favor. But one of the reasons I would lay off the game is maybe that the Vikings defense. So when you look at Minnesota, and I give their fans a ton of shit because I think that they're that's over. What you do, but they. The, the last three games, the Vikings have played three home games in a row. They won by a combined one point, and the combined score, the combined record of those, those three teams was eight and 28. They were 0 and 3 against the spread. Like, they, and there was just, you know, the reason why we have them still as underdogs to make the playoffs behind Arizona. Like, this isn't a good football team, and Tampa Bay, for all their faults, is a good football team. So, going on the road Tampa off a of bye that's baked into the number though mm-hmm. and and it has been overly so for decades um that that's that's really where I like sort of I, I talk myself in and out of this the yeah there's a lot of projection in this number which is like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to put it together at some point why not now coming off of a bye that being said We've talked about how much we hate Kirk Cousins and the Vikings as big favorites, but as, a, as decently sized underdogs, they're the type of team that you want having to come through the back door. They're not the type of team that I want holding a lead. Why? Because they get in this run game, you know, infatuations, mm-hmm. but they do have the horses to put up points. Like Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith, like they start passing the ball, Kirk Cousins is accurate. Like all of those things, if they're down 14 in the fourth quarter, you know, I'm not I'm not terrified. I don't know. That being said though, there's one thing I'm a little worried about with that. Only one. The the Vikings don't have that many weapons. They're they have good weapons. And the Bucks, I think they struggle against teams with a lot of weapons, but mm-hmm. not necessarily teams with really good. Like Carlton Davis is a pretty good corner. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. is pretty solid. Um, 
you know that that's the that might be the thing that sort of like keeps keeps it yeah yeah okay let me give you um i i, I like a lot of different different things here um but let's go to sunday night buffalo minus two and a half at home against the pittsburgh steelers who are reeling i mean it's it's tough yeah, to watch. Yeah, you really hate seeing I it. I just, my heart, it pours, uh, it breaks for all of the Steelers fans who don't, they don't deserve this. They don't. They're good people. They have respect for all. Yeah. They're loving. They're charitable. They don't they're deserve They're not like this. Giants fans, for example. No, who no, have been, no. Or Packers fans. or Giants you know, fans who have been their, the bane of our existence. Since. Or Bears fans. The, the Steelers fans are good people. You know, when I came out and I talked about how you know the Pittsburgh Steelers are the most overrated team in the NFL, and I cited a bunch of mathematical reasoning. I can't tell you how many Steelers fans came into my mentions and said, you know, I agree with you. Yeah, Thank it you makes for sense, your, George. Thank you for your sound reasoning. And, and so I hate to see this happen to the Steelers. It does suck. By the way, who picked, this, who picked the spread of this game kind of spot on on Sunday? Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, the better team, the better quarterback – better all the way around really better I, it, it is this blaspheme but i think sean mcdermott's the best coach he's the he is the better in-game coach yeah tomlin, i still think tomlin tomlin's is like, the hall of fame coach tomlin but. is like the ceo that i want right but in game i know that the buffalo bills are going to make strategic decisions that make the most sense Whereas the Pittsburgh Steelers repeatedly decided to ram some no-name running back into the defensive line for no reason. Well, the reason was probably because Big Ben can't really throw the ball down the football field, so they had to do something. But um, neither here nor there. Of course. The Buffalo Bills uh, only being favored by two and a half points at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Buffalo Bills are a much better team. Yeah. Um, I, I would take this all the way up to two and a half. Last week, we also took the Bills as our lock of the week. We've won two in a row, gotten off the schneid. Great job by you. Look. Talk uh, me into that one. In fairness, though, we were deciding between the Rams and the uh, We both like the Rams yeah. equally well. Um, both good matchups for the teams. I mean, the, the 49ers, I think, are a, a team that can beat certain teams. And this is what I'm going to bring this last one up, I think. Yeah, I think it's the last one we really like. I want to tell you guys about Monkey Knife Fight. You go to monkeyknifefight.com and uh, a lot of good things happening there. First thing is you get to play daily fantasy and prop games that are more fun than just going out and playing daily fantasy or just individual props. And Monkey Knife Fight has a really good deal for you. If you deposit $20 and use the promo code PFF, you get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's worth $40 and you get that for a full year. So you get all the way through basically the entirety of next football season. Um, and then you get to go play on monkeyknifefight.com. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and their swag is pretty cool too. Deshaun Watson rocks it, he knows. The DraftKings Sportsbook, it's America's top rated sportsbook. It's my favorite sportsbook. It's an app, which makes it much better. You don't have to go on some janky website with dot some random letter combination, which is a good thing. And uh, for the holidays they've got a lot of good things to to help you get through basically every day of the week there's football most days of the week now so that's great um ufc 256 is coming up and if you use promo code pff when you sign up at draft the DraftKings sportsbook you get a couple of things the first is you get a sign up bonus of up to one thousand dollars depending on how high of a roller you are uh, and then you've got a ton of really good um 
kind of like odds boosts and opportunities when you sign up now and use that promo code you can triple your winnings on any bet you place on ufc 256 which is pretty nice odds pretty decent odds boost so go download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code pff thousand dollar sign up bonus plus some great stuff on both football and the mma um ufc 256 they have odds boost every single sunday you got to check them out Reminder, you must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first-time deposit. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. A lot of good stuff on PFF, both free and if you want to drop a little cash, some really good deals for you, maybe you or someone that you love, you want to get them a little gift. On the free side of things, uh, the Chris Collinsworth podcast with Richard Sherman, it's really cool. Richard's in the bubble in Arizona. He's talking all about it. I learned a ton of stuff this week. Um, not afraid to pull some punches. Had some really interesting things to say about the Eagles situation, Greg Williams, the whole deal. So go check that out. It's available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, right now on PFF.com, if you sign up for an elite subscription, you can get an Action Network Pro. It's called Action Pro subscription as well. And that whole bundle is just $200. So it's a really good deal. Perfect thing to get you through this wonderful time in December. Maybe you're with your family. Maybe you're like me. You're without your family. You're feeling a little lonely. Go bundle up. Elite Action Pro. Make it happen. Make sure you use promo code ACTION on PFF.com. And that'll make sure you get that whole bundle. Go do it. Do it now. The Washington football team plus three and a half in an Alex Smith revenge game at Niners. Mm. Man. Nick Mullins against. Man. <sighs> I just thought that that game that the football team won was so much more about Pittsburgh than it was about <laughs> Washington. <laughs> yeah, I like, know. What did Washington do where you were like, man, that's impressive? Well, we back, we backed they, Washington on the road against Arizona week two. We backed yeah. them on the road in, against the Cleveland Browns in week three. And why did they lose? Well, they lost because Dwayne Haskins was producing 22% of his plays were negatively graded. Yeah, he wasn't very good. Alex Smith, only 9% of his passes were negatively graded. Now, only 12% are positively graded. And it's, his ADOT is like five. Look, you can't, <laughs> you can't go negative or positive when you can't get it positively down the football his field. His ADOT is like Cole Beasley's height, you know? So it, it's not, but. What's that, 1.5 yards? Yeah. But I do think there is something to the fact that he really does control the football game. Cole Beasley, amazing, by the way. Yeah. But Dude's top awesome. 10 in PFF war by If you, for the listeners out there that want to laugh, go YouTube Cole Beasley freestyle. Yeah. We've liked seen that? Beasley in war for a long time. Have you seen Cole Beasley rap? Mm-mm. Oh, well, the real Cole Beasley, please stand up. He does, have ner- that, he does have that like swag to him. Mm-hmm. I am nervous about this game, and here's why I'm nervous about this game. You think it's an Alex Smith revenge game, and it is, but it's also a little Kyle Shanahan revenge game. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, a little bit of Kyle and Mike Shanahan. A little, you oh, know, that's right, because he failed in Washington. And Kyle Shanahan... It was interesting listening to Richard Sherman. So Richard and Chris get on to do their podcast. And Chris's first question is like, what's it like being in Arizona with this stuff? And I'm expecting Richard to just tear into him, right? Richard goes, you know what? It's kind of cool. Restaurants are better. We're playing football. Weather's nice. 
you know. Northern Cal this time of year, not like super warm, right? It's cold. And he goes, you know, if you have a family, you can rent an Airbnb and bring them out here. I don't, my family's in Seattle anyways. So, you know, it's, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And they lost to a really good Bills team. The Bills are a very good team. I'm but, an, but I've said it already. I think they're the second best AFC team. Yeah. The Washington football team is getting uplifted similarly to the way the New York Giants are. Sure. But the New York Giants are too... The New York Giants... That's yeah, true. But here's my thing. Washington actually is... You're like, buying the football team at the top of the market and selling Kyle freaking shanahan okay. well not we won't do it we won't do it can't, we can't go against the niners twice in the, a row the thing about your tempting the thing that fate. was struggled that that struck i struggled with against in monday night football was the niners actually played pretty well but how different <laughs> alex smith is the opposite of josh allen the opposite probably true you know like the the niners defense is so thankful that alex smith is coming to town that's true. They can keep everything in front of them. Okay, let me give you a teaser. You ready? Uh-oh. The Kansas City Chiefs. I'm already in. <laughs> minus one. Tease down to minus one against the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Along with, and I have, I actually have a couple options for you. Okay. okay. Should we just do two? We've done two before. We, we have. Um, but I want to see which one is your favorite. Okay, I have a, a little menu of items. The Tennessee Titans... He's down to yeah, one two road favorites, by the way. Mm-hmm. A lot of road favorites. A lot of road favorites this week. The Green Bay Packers, not really a road favorite because they're playing an Aaron Rodgers vacation home in Detroit. In Detroit. Can you uh, imagine? No, I can't. UP is nice, but uh, every other part of Michigan. Well, look, I live on the banks of this, the Ohio River, so you know I have pretty high standards. No, ju- no judgment. <laughs> no judgment here. Uh, P's down to one and a half. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Teased oh. up to eight and a half. That's five. I'm just mentioning. I'm just mentioning. I'm just throwing it out there. And then one that is just for you, buddy, because we had the Jalen Hurts argument. Oh, New Orleans Saints the minus New Orleans one. Saints down to minus. I don't one. know. I mean, I... the Saints defense. <laughs> so I go on with Bobby Abair every week. We every single week he talks about the Saints defense, and that must be a hell of a show. <laughs> it's like their defense has a lot of good players. Like, I think it's going to be really hard for Philadelphia to win this game. Can you imagine if they had a reunion with Greg Williams? <laughs> Brett Favre's ankle would never survive. It's just like, do, do any of those teasers uh, interest you? Because it, you could make the I case. Can, go ahead. You could make the case that Kansas City, you know, just minus seven. But No. There's not a – it's tough. If six there, and a half, I'd do it. But there are not, a few teaser legs I have liked as much. What about Tampa – so we just talked about we like Minnesota, but what about Tampa minus a point, a half? It's a one home team that we like in that situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be, I'm content. What if we did Kansas City minus one, Green Bay minus one and a half, the two MVP candidates in on the road, but against teams that I think can't really compete with them. seems like a it's too easy it's too easy all right i brought this one i brought this one up to chris and he goes it's too easy (laughs) um i don't know well that's yeah that's it seems it it looks like any other sides or totals that you like well i you know if you're if you're just gonna bet so here's here's another thing we talked about this last week like a place like can right so you know hollywood casino for example prop props are minus 112. Teasers, six-point NFL teasers are, are minus 150. 
some books, like my books, one minus one twenty, uh, you can make up that. If you if you don't have teasers available to you, don't bet this. Or if the teasers minus one, we're not giving this out at minus one fifty. Just don't, that, that we don't want that. Don't, don't if, do that. If you if you need a bet that is minus one ten, I think the best one of the week is probably Houston minus one. I am with you. So I don't know if we make two of them. We go, look, the three best quarterbacks in the fucking NFL laying a point. What are we doing? All three of them, let's do it. Why not? All right, let's do it. Welcome Christmas. You're unwrapping presents with your kids tomorrow. I mean, why would I not give you a gift? Okay, so Houston minus one is one in the picks. And then Kansas City minus one teased with the Aaron Rodgers revenge stomping. So basically, look, the points don't even matter. It's just like whose line is it anyway? At this point, who needs points? Who All needs I points? care about is rushing attempts, Eric. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> can you imagine the, the disdain that I I, was... I I can imagine, actually. I'll give you one more that I like a little bit. I want to get your take on this. Dallas, Cincinnati, over 42 and a half. No. Hold on. Hold on. Really low total. The weather's actually going to be nice here. I... Not a primetime game. The Cincinnati bunkholes have no defense. Yeah. Neither does Dallas, really. Neither but, does Dallas. But my so here is the question. I, I was I was talking to um I was talking to Ross today, Tucker, mm-hmm. great guy. And and he and and I was like, the Cowboys have not looked bad in three games. It's weird. Like, did Dalton look terrible last night? You know, he didn't look as terrible as I thought. No. He would. no. Like did he look bad on Christmas? Or sorry, on Christmas, on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Uh, they moved well, the ball. He yeah. had a couple kind of shitty plays, right? Like he had the one, the Montez sweat at the end where they're trying to come back. But he didn't look like he it wasn't looked, the primetime Dalton. That he you looked awful against about. Arizona. Like you can't play this guy awful. Mm-hmm. And then against Washington the next week before he got knocked out, he looked dreadful. Against Minnesota, won the game on the road against supposedly a playoff team now. And then two straight games they've lost and they haven't covered. Mm-hmm. But Dalton hasn't been the problem, really. No, the problem is, is that Zeke, fa- Zeke fumbling or last night's game, their kicker, they cover the number if their kicker makes his field goals last I night. Know. And uh, their defense is just, I mean, dude, like, I'm sorry, Steve Palazzolo could set a better edge than their How their is guys. Greg Williams fired, but Mike Nolan still has a job? Dude, I don't know. I It's... The, the 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 hard part about McCarthy is obviously you know you want him to do well, but the, he's made some decisions that I think, as far as personnel, both on offense, both players wise and coaching wise, that I think he's going to have to crack for him to have success this uh, you know coming little bit here. Notice we did not talk about the Falcons. We resisted the urge. I'm not going to advise. We faded the Falcons last week, and what? It, it worked it, out. It worked. Yeah. Because the Saints and Sean Payton, a juggernaut. If you had to bet one side of Saints, Eagles, Eagles plus seven with Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think... I Buy think, in. I Buy think in. Philly plus seven is the only spot you can take because I don't think that... Doesn't well, look for like one, there's too, much, there's too much unknown, and I don't think Taysom Hill can extend a game. Like last week... They had a double-digit lead, and then mm-hmm. yeah, Hill like fumbled it away. He almost fumbled on the penultimate drive that would have given them, you know, prime field position. So, um, no, I mean, I don't want to bet this game, but if I had to, I'd probably take the points with Philly. Jalen Hurts. 
unlike you, I really want to bet that game, but I'm going to try not to because I've already staked my claim with you on Sunday night. That, he, that he's going to be great? That he's going to be great. Okay, uh, we're going to get to Seren, uh, lock of the week, a bunch of games this week to enjoy. You and I, Saturday night, PFF Daily Betting Podcast. If you don't want to listen to this whole long thing every week. Hopefully, there's, hopefully we have as good of a sweat on the college games as we had last week. I doubt that's going to be the case. Yeah, well, it was a hell of a sweat. Uh, our guy Ben Brown with a DFS win that maybe will take us to Christmas, uh, to Vegas for Christmas. Who knows? We'll see. Just saying. Just saying. All right, Saran Petro, here he is. It has been far too long since we last had our good friend Saran Petro, host of the program, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. But that is really not doing him justice. I would say there's Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, just, yeah. a, just a hair, just maybe a hair. Do we have to claim him in Cincinnati to move Petro up? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But then it's Seren Petro. It is Seren Petro. I, I, that's how I view the hierarchy in Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, well, Bill Self is on line one. No. He's got something to say, uh, as do about 200 other people. So, But you're too kind, George. I'll take it. I'll take it. You, Eric introduced me to, to you and the great program that you have. And... Um, the best part about so you you know you do a bunch of radio hits and yeah. I go on radio hits all the time, and oftentimes it's like okay here's like three questions four questions whatever, and there's never any dialogue they're never back and forth. Every time I go on with Seren, I know that I'm gonna have a good conversation. Yeah. Like I, very rarely do you feel that way. Yeah, it's the there's the challenging aspect to it. I was like so I grew up listening to sports talk radio. I remember. Um, Bill Walton. The 60s? When was that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bill, so growing up in the Twin Cities, there was a guy named Dan Barrero in, in Minneapolis. So, you probably have heard of him, right? And Bill Walton came on once and told Dan he was his, his guiding light, his shining star. <laughs> and being a Chiefs fan, you know, later in life, I've been a Chiefs fan for like 10 years. I've mostly only experienced like fun things about being a Chiefs fan. Like, I, they, they've been mostly good the whole time. Petro will, will challenge me on my like weaknesses in being a Chiefs fan, the, the, the blind spots that I have. And I think that's especially good now in a time when the Kansas City Chiefs are 11-1. and They're tied for the best record in the NFL. They're just coming off of a Super Bowl. They have the best player in the NFL. And yet, like I'm positive. Like I, I haven't been nervous, Seren, about a Chiefs game since they played Baltimore. I can attest. No. I have like I haven't like the other the other There's night. There's a lot of dancing, a lot of right. fists Yeah, we pumping. watched the games together while you know while we help. But the There's a lot of there's a lot of driving to other states to get more money down. Mm, which yes. which has yeah. not worked actually the last like three four weeks. Although I I have I I'll never place a bet the size I placed on Kansas City plus three and a half in Baltimore, but the last few weeks have not been profitable, Seren. And I so I wonder like what is your take on the state of the team right now? Uh, you know, I, I think, I, I, you know, I got, I was on in Miami and I got asked kind of a question like, how are they better? How are they worse? You know, what, what are the pitfalls? And I said, you know, yeah, they have played some close games, some games that you thought, okay, like they should just hammer the Broncos, right? Even though they, they won easy before, you know, even if they do just throw their helmets out on the field and say, yeah, we got this coach. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's a syndrome that I think all teams have to fight their way through. You you'd think they would be good enough. I think there are a couple of things that work. One like the the Chiefs, and, and again, I, and I pointed out my first time covering a defending NFL champion, right? So this is, you know, rookie water for me. 
and how you go about defending a Super Bowl. But but one, I think there is something to that getting everybody's best game, right? Maybe the Chiefs are exactly what they were last year, but this is what it looks like when everybody else now steps their game up a notch and you're getting their best game. Two, I'll go back to something we talked about before that, you know, everybody loves the fact that almost everybody's back on this team. And, and we talked about that. If they don't repeat, and, and they're well on their way to at least having a very good chance at it, but if they don't repeat, maybe we'll look back and say, look, the, the six to eight guys that get turned over usually by most teams that go to back-to-back Super Bowls, which the Chiefs don't have, and they, they added Stefan Wisniewski back to the mix, so even one of those guys is back on the roster, uh, maybe that, that's a missing ingredient. Maybe having you know 25% of your core guys, 25% of your starters be hungry is something that teams need to achieve that same level of greatness. And so I think in reality, we're seeing a little bit of it all. I think there is maybe a regression back to the mean, as you guys like to talk about on the defensive side of the ball, that maybe the defense played a little bit over its head in that stretch run, and and now they're being exposed a little bit. But I think there are a lot of factors. And I think also, you know, they know that ultimately the, the success of this season is going to be measured exclusively on being in the postseason. They got to the postseason. They've known they were going to be in the postseason for quite a while. The AFC West has been virtually locked up for three weeks, right? Or at least since the Raider game, they, they officially finished it off. And and so maybe there is a little bit of cruise control. I, I'm, I think all those things are probably swirling in there, right? It's never just one villain. I, sports fans are always looking for just one thing. If we fix that one thing, then it'll yeah. all be perfect. And reality is it's never that simple. I, we talk a lot about basketball on uh, on Strand's show because, you know, he's a man of, of many talents. And, and, and I learned on the forecast the other day, you're a former AAU superstar. Yeah, superstar is the definitely the word I would use. Um, glue George, guy. George is, George is like a cross between, I'm going to – Steve Nash. Oh, God. And like Courtney wow. Vandersloot. That. Like kind of a, like a, an in-between. What you're really like describing. Like Courtney Vandersloot's like my favorite WNBA player. What you're really describing is Jason Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Which one, though? Jay Williams or White Chocolate? <laughs> uh, the, 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 White Chocolate was... Ball uh, hog turnover machine? Yeah. Or White well, who, Chocolate. No, who was number one overall pick, career ended by injury? Who was that, <laughs> that college player that was the same? Like, Oh, you're thinking of those two. I even had another Jason Williams, far less of a... Uh, the one uh, who died? I don't know. Uh, no, New you're Jersey thinking of Nets the guy that played with forward? Randy Moss in high school, right? Yes, I'm thinking of White Chocolate, yeah. the one that went to okay, Marshall. Yeah, I'm not yeah. thinking of Jason Williams' current ESPN uh, yeah, personality yeah, yeah. or Jason Williams' former Nets player. By the way, growing up growing up in Minnesota and watching the Timberwolves draft Jason Williams' backup, like top 10, was just one uh, – that was like uh, not even top 100 terrible decision by them. My personal favorite is Indy EB. Oh, I think it was wasn't the, seven, the under the table I, Joe Smith contract that cost him five first Anyways, round picks. This is devolving, but there was a point to this. In the NBA, so the Bulls had this with Jordan and Pippen. We talked a lot about this with LeBron and the Cavs. I was like, all right, just make it to the playoffs. Because once you're in the playoffs, you got seven games. No one is beating LeBron or beating Jordan in seven games. Now, my thought is oh, that makes sense because Patrick Mahomes is that type of player. Right. Can that happen in football, though? Because you don't get seven games. You get one. And you also, now in the playoffs, only get one Only one team gets home field. Is that something that this Chiefs team could do? You know, I, I think, and I, and I love the point, because I think it is similar. Like, you know, if you go back to the, the Jimmy Johnson Cowboys, right, that, that probably had the best team for four years. 
And the 49ers, you know, actually ended up getting busted for, for violating the salary cap and mm -hmm. added free agents. And they were able to get them once, yeah. right? And, and the Bills couldn't get them uh, in there. And the Bills were a really good team. And there was one time that the Cowboys came out, and I think they fumbled a kick return, and then they had a, a fumble on a, on a reception. They dug a hole, and they were down 14 nothing in San Francisco and, and, and couldn't get back on oh. top. And so, you know, I think that's kind of in, in a one-time elimination – tournament you know that that's that that can happen to you and i think you know the the chiefs are the closest thing because patrick mahomes is the closest thing to michael jordan yeah. right like they they have inefficiencies and i've heard you guys talk about it like maybe they're not so good guard center guard but patrick mahomes can evade and get out and escape and eliminate that part of the equation and and extend the play and do those kind of things and i think you know going back to the question i got in miami today about like are are they where are the chiefs better they're better at quarterback. You know, Mahomes is playing better. And I think they're so good now that, you know, to beat the Chiefs, the recipe is, first of all, the Chiefs have lost nine times with Patrick Mahomes, eight times the opposition scored 31 points, so you're going to have to score. And the one loss they have this year, the Raiders got them down and kept putting them down, right? They didn't start leaning for the tape the way Anthony Lynn did in the second week of the season by not going for it on fourth and two at his, like, 50 and punting the ball back to Patrick mm -hmm. Mahomes and saying, I'm going to let my defense win it. We're going to pin him down. You know, the Raiders got the Chiefs down. Chiefs scored to cut it from 16 to 8. They got the two-point conversion. And the Raiders, in trying to kill the clock, went for it on fourth down. They said, we're not going to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, to beat the Chiefs, you're going to have to be up by multiple scores late. You, you can't give the ball back to Mahomes with just one drive being what can kill you or tie you because once Andy Reid, you know, adds on the fourth down, you know, across the board, to this point, no one's been able to stop Patrick Mahomes when he uses all four downs. Poisonous so, ketchup. From that standpoint, he is Jordan-esque. You, you bring up such a great point about the Dallas Cowboys. I, w I just finished reading Boys Will Be Boys by yeah. uh, Perlman. And what was, cra what was crazy about that team, it was very Chiefsian in the way it happened, right? They, they were 1-15 in, in 1989, much like the Chiefs were 2-14 in 2012. And they sort of built the team up, right? They built the team up, made, made some ballsy decisions, drafting two quarterbacks in the first round, you know, was, was crazy. But then the, the, the thing that was interesting about that team was the 92 team was the best. The 93 team was a little worse, still won the Super Bowl. The 94 team was worse, and to your point, they got behind 21 nothing to San Francisco in candlestick like within the first five minutes or so and still yeah. only lost that game by 10 and probably would have at least gotten a chance if they would have called Deion Sanders for pass interference. And then, you know, in Barry Switzer's only Super Bowl, they were even worse. But the whole league around it, like uh, they had expansion that year, so there was diluting a talent and all that. So they, they won a Super Bowl, and then, of course, the wheels fall off. The Kansas City Chiefs currently have not gotten worse from 2019 to 2020. I think that's where they buck that Cowboys trend. And I also don't see a situation where the, the, the power structure in Kansas City is so much different than it was in Dallas, right? Because Jimmy Johnson wanted um, sort of uh, some of the credit and Jerry Jones would give him nothing. Whereas right now, Andy Reid and Mahomes are very in lockstep. I think about the brilliance of the two of them. Uh, I do I do worry a little bit about like getting caught off guard, but the, the one thing that I'll say, and again, this is just me being positive about the Chiefs, Reed puts on some sort of God mode hat 
when they get behind, to Seren's point. They start using every down. They start using all the plays. I mean, it was almost de- good for them to be behind, you know, by what they were behind by yeah. in some of those games because he never relented. I mean, they, they've... they I was, I was actually going to say about the Raiders game, I, when I rewatched that game, I was shocked that the they Chiefs were up. They were 14-3. And I was like, actually, maybe this is it. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. if you get up 14-0 on the Chiefs, may God help you. Yeah. But if you right, get up right. on them, maybe you've got a shot <laughs> yeah. because Andy Reid's like, well, well, I won't waste any plays. I'll run the ball. Carolina got up on them 14-3. Yeah. And, and now, they didn't cover the number or whatever, but they won that game more or less comfortably. They had that field goal at the end, which, okay, there was a little bit of a scare. The, the Denver game, you never really got the, the, the thinking that they were going to lose that game. The Raiders game, we all sort of watched that and thinking, okay, all they really need to get is one stop all game because Mahomes is, is, you know. And it is crazy. I, I do agree that obviously they, they're, they're, that kind of brings us to our first question. Like, what team is going to be the team that knocks them off if they yeah, don't who, win the Super Bowl? F- finish this sentence. You can, however you want. Okay. The Chiefs' biggest competition to winning the Super Bowl this year is blank. I mean, I know it's cliched to say themselves, right? Like for all the reasons we we put forward, but I I think in in some ways, you know, turning the ball over, right? That's it. So like, I I know what you want is you want a team and I'll take the Tennessee Titans, right? It's either the Raiders or it's the Titans in my book. I think the Steelers are a bad matchup because they know only one way on defense. They're going to blitz, 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 and Mahomes is going to destroy them. And they suck. And I, and I think the tables have really turned between the Chiefs and Steelers. You know, yeah. you know, Alex Smith and the Chiefs, that version of the Chiefs went Could up against never the Steelers beat and couldn't get over, their, uh, over the hump. Yeah. Even, if, even if the Steelers didn't score a touchdown, they'd win 18-16, yeah. right, in, in Arrowhead uh, after the Chiefs had a bye week. And, and so I think the tables have turned. The, the Chiefs are now the, the, the absolute kryptonite. To the way that the Steelers and Ravens want to play that attacking style defense, so I know I know it'll upset people in Pittsburgh, and and I and I respect that opinion. If the Steelers roll the Chiefs, don't and, worry, uh, Steeler yeah, Steeler fans will have the last laugh. But I don't think it's it. I mean, I think there is a scenario where the Titans, you know, get you know the 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 Cowboys 49ers game happens, and the Chiefs turn the ball over two two times, and you know, and it's the first one comes after being already down seven nothing. And it gets to 14, and it gets to 21 nothing, And they're digging out, and they make them fight. But that Mike Vrabel is a good enough coach that he recognizes, I can't just lean on the running back all day, yeah. and I've got to keep spinning it. And they never just go one-dimensional and try to just pound the rock. They still have a healthy dose of the running game, but they keep firing to keep putting points on the board. And so I, I think the Titans are scary. And I, and I do think there's something wrong with the matchup with the Raiders, right? You know, the Raiders are, are kind of that styles make fights. Hmm. Uh, the adage that you hear in boxing, like, one guy might have five losses. The other guy might be undefeated. But for whatever reason, he's constantly stepping on his toe. You know, he's got this up and under move or the headbutt's bothering him or whatever it is. And, and that guy who's an inferior fighter against everyone else that the two of them might fight has got the problems to what this guy is. I think the Raiders offensive line has exposed the Chiefs' lack of pass rush. Right? And if there's a place where they're not better – Right or not as good, it's their pass rush, mm-hmm. and you know they've been able to uh, you know cover that up with good safety play. Although Juan Thornhill has been in a doghouse for the team after getting off to a good start, but with good safety play, and then four to your guys' point, I know you make this point all the time, and I think it makes perfect sense. No weak links in that secondary, right? Four corners that are all number two, number three corners, right? Mm-hmm. None of them are fives, none of them are sixes. 
they're all in that no worse than being a number three corner. You look at the PFF grades, you guys put them all 20-something to 40-something, yep. right? If, if there's 32 number one corners and 64, you know, and, and another 32 number two corners, then theoretically they have no, they have nothing but number twos, right? And, and so while they don't have a Darrell Revis that they can say, take this guy out of the mix, they got four guys and there's no weak links. And so, you know, if they get any pass rush, their defense should start to look like it did uh, over the last nine games, last no. six regular season games no. and three postseason games. Nothing. But it, it, it hasn't been there. And, and you guys, I've had to come around and bow to, to your greatness on Frank Clark, right? He oh, has God. not been the shark this year. Yep. And he's yep. been very blockable of late. And if they don't pressure, then even a good secondary will eventually get exposed. So, yep. you know, they, they've, they've done a lot of things right. But the Raiders, for whatever reason, can block everything. And they make plays down the field, and they can put points on the board. They're the one team that seems to be able to go up and down the field on the Chiefs, even if they can't do it against other teams. Well, nothing, I think nothing but number twos. Odo Beckham Jr., very jealous. Go ahead. Jesus. Oh, man. Hey, wait a minute. By the way, is this when the professional um, – what was the quote? Professional expectation manager yes. comes in to, uh, <laughs> to set the stage? <laughs> Um, <laughs> By the way, how you will be billed here? No more, no longer a data scientist. You yep. will be professional expectation manager. There's like an, and a numerous people who have found that hilarious. Like <laughs> some of they were like rolling around in their in their chair laughing at that segment. But um, the, the who, who the, do you think it is? What do you mean? The the biggest competition to the Chiefs. It's nobody with hobo quarterbacks. If I'm going to quote one yeah. of George's best. From yeah, no, it's, so. it's New Orleans. It's New Orleans. Yeah. Journeyman hobos. You called them hobos, didn't you? Journeyman it's, hobo quarterback. It's New Orleans. And, Don't talk about Whitlock. Like and my my issue. <laughs> so so Seren, you bring you brought up a great point about two months ago when they faced the New England Patriots with Brian Hoyer. Um, you know they they let the Patriots run for one eighty five on them, and they lulled that offense into this false sense of. Uh, a lack of urgency, right? Mm. Like Drew Locke throws a touchdown pass and he's doing this thing to his hometown and I get he's having fun. But like they, they, they clearly didn't understand the urgency on offense they needed. Last week, the, the exact same thing happened to Denver. They gave up 179 on the ground. It didn't look pretty. Some of that was on one run, granted. But, but the, that distribution, I think, is always going to favor Kansas City. This one where the other team thinks they lull themselves in this idea of being in the game physically, right? And then Kansas City just hits them with obviously their player, you know, their speed on the outside, but also their sharpness of their coaches. What what I found was interesting is in like the Raiders game. They gave up, you know, 275 through the air, 89 on the ground. It was the urgency that the Raiders had was immense. And to your point about Tennessee, Tennessee was controlling that game in the yeah. AFC title game. And what they happened was the Chiefs scored a touchdown to Tyreek Hill. And the, the Tennessee Titans, to end the half, went run, run, screen to Deion Lewis, punt. Perfect. And the game was over. The game was over. And, like, to beat Kansas City, you have to play the way the Raiders did. And I think that that's what the matchup is, is, you know, Gruden sort of knows. He can't give any fucks in that game. Like, if you lose to the Chiefs, it's as – like, who cares? Everybody loses if to the Chiefs. If you lose by 40. Yeah, who cares? There's no – Great. Yeah, there's no admirable thing about losing by a little bit, right? What you want to do is beat them. And they played that game, to your point, Seren, in Arrowhead to beat the Chiefs. If they would have missed that fourth down, 
who like they're going to come back and lose, but that was the expected outcome. And I think that that's how. So when I look at the rest of the NFL, you have to think of teams that actually think that way. And and again, Sean Payton. Sean Payton's a guy who thinks that way. He doesn't have the quarterback yet, but Kevin Stefanski thinks that way. Frank Reich thinks that way. And, and the problem is when you look at trying to handicap other teams being able to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, there aren't coaches who think that way that have that quarterback except for maybe the Saints. I'll give you one. You know, I'll give you one. I, yeah, The Bills. Good. Yes. I think the Bills, now, whether Josh Allen, you need to catch Josh Allen on a good day, certainly, because he's, he's very volatile. But on a good day, he, he is accurate yeah. enough, he's shown this year, and their coaches certainly feel that way. They've been one of the most pass-heavy teams on early downs. They have Stephon Diggs, who's, who's really good. I, that would be one more that I'd throw in there. Yeah, the, the, I called the Bills, I can't remember what show it was, I called them Dollar Store Chiefs, because like, <laughs> they kind of have the same, they have the same defense. They play the 4-3, they give up a decent amount of run. They're not brilliant any, I'll, Trey Davis White's really good, but they're not like brilliant anywhere on defense. They don't get a good pass rush. And on offense, the, the highs for Josh Allen are really high. Like they're in that, Mahal, they're close, right? His, the lows are dark though. <laughs> and like, and, and Mahomes just terrorists. doesn't have those, those lows ever yeah. in his game. No, but I mean, have a day, right? Like yeah. Nick Foles had a quarter of a season and they won a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. If, you, if you've if you got that kind of ability and you can be high, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he looks like a hero for three games, right? So yeah. on any one given day, he can throw for six touchdowns on you. So yeah, I think all, all those are, I mean, I, listen, it's the NFL. There's a reason why. And if you have the quarterback and you can score points and you just hit on some of the teams that can, you know, that's it. I've always wondered, being a you know, a casual fan of math, not the nerds that you guys are, right? But I've always under—I've never understood why coaches didn't keep scoring until they thought they had more touchdowns or a lead that there was more than eight points times however many possessions were left for the right. other team. Well, that right, and yeah. it's, it's always been like this: coaches' fraternity kicks in. Like it's seventeen, you got to kind of ease off, and if if you don't end up winning, you just say, "Hey, listen." You know, I, kind of the stupid thing I heard from Mike Tomlin, and I, I love Mike Tomlin. I think he's fantastic. But in this game that we play, if you can't get a yard, you don't deserve to win. Mm -hmm. No. That, that's, no not the, that's not the objective function. The objective function is to win. That you're right. <laughs> Score more points. I, like, that's that's the objective of the game. Yeah, that's, you that's why get... that, that, that mentality that takes you back to this old school Cro-Magnon-style football where you have to somehow physically abuse your opponents, that is something – that, that just That's is not boxing. a reality, you know, that, that you should not be thinking that way. And so for me, uh, I, I think the reality is they're not going to, you know, the team that's going to have to beat the Chiefs is the one that says, we're going to keep being aggressive. We're going to keep putting out, you know, seven points, uh, you know, every single time down the field until they just absolutely can't catch up to us, right? And I, and I think that's got to be the mindset. And the Raiders, to their credit, in, in icing the game with the, with the four-minute offense – they threw a couple of times, right? They went for it on a fourth down in the win in Kansas City in their four-minute offense. They didn't go, oh, we got a punt. You know, they, they stayed aggressive. And th eventually that's how this game is going to be played by everybody mm -hmm. because, you know, whoever the best is just moves the bar and there'll be guys that come along behind Mahomes and have his abilities. And you're going to have to play this game to beat any good team at some point. It's definitely how you have to play it to beat the Chiefs. The, the smartest poker players, right, they – they not they not they don't oh they don't try to win ha like hands 
right? Eventually they get to the point where they, they get to a fold out situation where not only have they won the tournament, they won the tournament if they can fold on every hand, right? They're on out, right? And that's you know, that's really kind mm -hmm. of like what you what you want to be thinking about, right? You don't want to necessarily always be thinking about, okay, we need to get this next touchdown or we need to get this next, you know, we need to get this one yard, right? The, like you said, like it's so many teams are playing for trophies that don't matter. Don't exist. Like, like, they don't look, exist. Hey, guys, we drafted we drafted a Chase Young. Well, Chase Young's awesome. Are you going to make the playoffs or are you going to win well, a Super Bowl? The, the football team, clearly, yeah. Super yeah, Bowl contenders. You know, uh you know the, the the thing about it is and that's and that's again like this is where i'll defend frank clark's like sort of mentality on this when people are like you're not getting the sacks and you're, and he's like well we're still winning football games like i do think that that's an important thing like what if, sure. if frank clark sucks the rest of the year and you know and they still win the super bowl like it does it, it was a t it wasn't a great trade but at the end of the day like the point of anything the chiefs do is to win the super bowl and you're going to, just like in sports betting, you're going to have wins and you're going to have losses. And if you can get to, you know, 52.38, you're, you're, you're doing well. Right. And, and that's, you know, like I, I do think that's the mindset. Like if Frank Clark tries to start playing for sacks, he might make the defense worse in a way because he might not be like containing the quarterback or setting the edge or anything. So I do like the fact that this team does seem singularly focused on winning another Super Bowl, which is important. Yeah, and, and and let me say this too. I think one of the things and you talk about the team building aspect, and you talk about Frank Clark, and you know I was a guy. You know I wouldn't have done that trade, right? I, I don't hate it. I knew what they were trying to do. He sets an edge way better than D Ford. So whatever's like, you gave up a first and a second. Yeah, but they they got a second for D Ford. So in their mind, it was a year that they didn't love the pass rushers, and they and they they gave up a first round pick to get Frank Clark, right? And do they take do they take on some water on that? Yeah, right? Like, the boat's taking on water right now with the Frank Clark deal. Big cap number, a lot of picks. Montez Sweat was a couple of picks uh, in front of them in that draft they could have taken. And here's one that doesn't get talked about. Speaking of this week's game against the Dolphins, you know, they signed Emmanuel Ogba or traded for him. Like, I, I think it was like a, you know, it was it Eric Murray? Mm -hmm. You know, our yeah. guy that, you know, another like Charvarius Ward when they traded Parker Anger for Charvarius Ward. Uh, it was in a camp, and they go get Emmanuel Ogba, and it was kind of like our guy that we don't want for your guy that you don't want. And Ogba comes in, and he gets five or five and a half sacks for the Chiefs in 10 games, gets hurt, isn't seen in their stretch run, right, where, where they play great football and isn't in the playoffs. They get to the end of the year, they let him go to the Dolphins, three years, 21 million, everyone's going, well, what's that all about? Lo and behold, he has eight sacks right now in 12 games, right? So he's doing really well. You know, they signed him and traded for Frank Clark, right? So... They wanted to get better against the pass rush. They already had Chris Jones. They knew D Ford was a one-trick pony. Like, we got to get better all around. And so they doubled down. Two different acquisitions. Now, you, you could you could play a scenario where maybe you could have found the right pass rusher or got better in the secondary or, or signed linebackers or signed another defensive lineman if you don't have all that money tied up in Frank Clark. But the bottom line is they, they identified a problem and they threw resources at it. And ultimately, they won the Super Bowl. Now, maybe they don't win a second, a third, a fourth, because of that, because they've got all these cap uh, issues and Frank Clark being the biggest one right now, you know, maybe that doesn't happen. But any championship plan that begins with we can have no one get hurt and everybody has to play to exactly the level we yeah. think they can play to, you're already doomed. You have to be able to take on water. You have to be able to lose people along the way and still be good enough to be a championship team. And that's what the Frank Clark trade was all about. $20 million a year of leadership.
and well, continuity. Yeah. <laughs> but that, and but that's partially why. So I know I listened to your show, Saran, and like I was on, and I talked about my my worry for the Chiefs' defense was a five out of ten. Adam Teicher writes for ESPN said it was a seven out of ten, and right. had a big soliloquy about how much defense matters and how it carried the Chiefs last year and all this kind of stuff. Really? Which okay, but here's my thing. How were Wait, can I add one more guy? Yeah. Corey Anderson, who does middays on my station. They heard that segment that you did, and so they talked about it the next day. And he goes, let me tell you something. Zero out of ten is my concern on defense. I- I've listened to the defense doesn't matter thing from these guys, and I'm 100% bought in. So don't tell my me guy. five. He was pissed at you. He goes, my defense guy. doesn't matter. Zero out of ten yeah. was what he, nice. what he well, was concerned I, about. I love the influence we're having on the Kansas City yeah. radio. The, but – how concerned can you be in this defense when it's basically the exact same players, right? It's the exact, like 18 is different, right? 18, they had the, the, the dead career walking of Bob Sutton. They had, they tried to sign David Amerson to play corner and he sucked. And then, so they went with Orlando Skander, who was, had as many NFL jobs as I did at the time. And then, you know, Anthony Hitchens, D Ford can't stop the run to save his life. Justin Houston's kind of checked out like there was a lot of fundamental reasons why that defense wasn't going to be very good this defense has the exact same players as last year give or take a, t- a couple in fact i think they've upgraded at some spots with like legerius sneed over kendall fuller's is at least like the same and so my concern is okay if if spags is able to coach them up last year and play well down the stretch like what's to say he can't do it like is there and, and none There's of nothing. these guys are hurt there's nothing. It's though. just defense, right? It's the same thing right. with the Saints. The, 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 be- pro- the problem, yeah. though, is not this year. It's like, what are you doing? Frank Clark is one of the five, six highest yeah. paid edge defenders, and he's one of the 95 best. Yeah. <laughs> like that's 91, how, I think you guys yeah, have him at like, right now. I was looking at You know, so like it's not about this year. Like, yeah, my level of concern this year is zero. But from a team building perspective, that's why you go, oh, well, we have to bring everyone back to try and win the Super Bowl next year. Well, why? Why do you have to, like, why would you not do things that make it possible for you to win the Super Bowl next year, but also make it more probable that you could win it two years from now? But do you think, do you think they saw this season and said, and, and it's basically played out this way, there's so much noise gonna hap- going to happen in the NFL this year because look at the Ravens. We talk about this all the time. The Ravens are the most fragile team in the NFL. You take their offense is like a defense because you need all the constituent pieces to be good just for it to work. Mm. Uh, you know, the Steelers are sort of similar, right? If Big Ben re- relies on his support so much that when they screw his ass over for two straight games, they almost lose to RG3 and then, you know, lose to Alex Smith. Like every team in the NFL is like that except for the Chiefs. And I think they viewed this as, okay, if they err in a couple ways, it doesn't really matter because they have this this trump card right now and they still have him relatively cheaply. And so when you look at it, our power rankings, Chiefs are 10.7 points better than anybody else. The next best team is New Orleans at 7.7, and that's with Drew Brees, who might not come back, right? So they, I think, they made a bet about this particular year that I think was correct. But it, you could have made that same projection without Frank Clark. But they, but, right, but that's, but, but that's, they, see, that's where the, the conversations get tangled because the conversation it, it's, it's about Chris kind of, Jones, yeah, right? It's, it's, well, it's about 19 and the, and everyone's frustration with the plan, or excuse me, it's about 2020 and everyone's frustration with the plan for 20 is the move they made in 19. And once you make that move, you can't unwind. Yeah, you can't really get it. That's why rid I say, you know, we Clark. talked today, I said, you know, we've talked a lot. It came down and, and you know, we had a lot of discussions about Chris Jones. 
right? Like, do you give him the money? And everyone in Kansas City is like, no, get rid of Frank Clark, but keep Chris Jones. Like, that, that can't you, happen. You can't do that. Right? He's a $59 million cap hit. Once you make that move, that's a three-year commitment. You're married. There's no going anywhere. And so there are a lot of us that would say, hey, no, stay cap flexible. And I said, well, what if you kept Agba and you get rid of Chris Jones and then you have the two DNs? Because Okafor and Tano Passanio provide nothing when it comes to pass rush. So maybe Frank Clark would be better if you had another guy on the edge that could really get after the quarterback. And maybe that's better. And, you know, we talked about it last year, two fatties and a blitz on the inside, right? Put your two run-stuffing defensive tackles in the middle, those two guys on the edge, blitz one guy here and there every now and then, and maybe you'd be a better defense. And universally where the conversation always goes is, well, you signed Ogba when you traded for Clark. How about just sign Ogba, draft a guy, sign another guy with the other $13 million, you know, or really the $18 million you had to spend in that first year, and you can have a better team. And that's great with the power of hindsight. And that's great if you have the confidence that you can find those guys. And I think the Chiefs are gaining that confidence. So I, I think there's this tangled web of to be better in 20, they should have done this. But what they should have done was something that you're asking them to do before they won a Super Bowl. And it had been 50 years since this yeah. team won a Super Bowl. And so Frank Clark was a push your chips to the middle of the table move. And then I think because the offseason really started, I asked Brett Feach two days after the Super Bowl, he was on my show. And I said, free agency, now let's look to next year. Where do you go? He goes, we have multiple paths in free agency. That, that, those, the, those decisions or, or the, or the pre-work, right, for those decisions we did in December. So think about it. It was December of 18 when they make their – they were already moving on from D Ford in 18. And Frank Clark was clearly a target. I mean, their their decisions are being made now mm -hmm. for the 21 season. Like, here's who's going to be available. Here's the different ways we can go. How do we want to play it? And so I think when they're making those decisions, they still hadn't won a Super Bowl. So part of their path for 2020 was still on this mindset of Andy Reid can't win the big one. He didn't know how to manage his game. Brett Beach is just his former assistant. He's not this boy wonder general manager. And Kansas City is going to fire us if we don't win the championship because we blew it with D Ford last year. So the mindset that's going on when the 20 season really starts from a personnel standpoint is still one that has insecurities. And so I think, George, you're right. In, in an abstract and in a vacuum, the way to think about it is we're good enough, so let's never oversell on one year. Let's just be good enough for 10 years, and we'll grab four of these as opposed to being the best, the favorite, which, as we talked about last time, puts them at, what, 21 22%? Sell out for that and then make ourselves worse for three years. But I think yeah. you do have to remember the psyche and the mindset of what this organization yeah. was when a lot of the decisions were made on how this season was going to be put together. Right, and, and the percentage doesn't change with Frank Clark. Yeah. That's but the, the, the thing about the thing uh, about- And I agree, I'm with yeah. you, you know yeah. that. Well, we, and both of us, I think all, all of us agreed that the Chiefs should trade Chris Jones. Ultimately, the, the thing that makes it thorny is he's a better player than Frank Clark by probably right. a country mile. <laughs> a lot. And, and, and unfortunately, so like the Chiefs don't, the Chiefs take on dead cap basically every single year with Frank Clark until 2022. Well. No, every single year, but it's cheaper to cut him than to keep him in 2023. So they're stuck with him for a long time. And so actually, I think there might be an out after 21. Like okay. it, it would be a really big hit, but he becomes cheaper to cut than keep, I think, after 21. Now, maybe I'm uh, wrong. Maybe, maybe post that's my June. Memory. Post June 1. Still, post June one, I guess they have some. They have like a half a million in savings that they come out get out. We'll from do my... part two of the Frank Clark podcast. Yeah, yeah. At, okay, at never time. mind. I have some quick hitters for you before we get okay. out of here. Um, speaking of players that 
maybe you want to go back on. Uh, you're back in the draft. Pick number 32. Yeah. <laughs> it's up. Kansas City Chiefs select. Uh, are you going back and picking someone else? And do you think the Chiefs would go back and pick someone else? I, I don't think they would. Like, first of all, we haven't seen much of them, but Le'Veon Bell has looked effective the handful of touches they've given him. And if, you, if they knew that they were going to have a shot at Le'Veon Bell at a bargain basement price, then I think they would have gone another direction. Um, you know, I think the Chiefs, two things, you know, one, um, you know, we can talk about trades like Chris Jones from the people I talked to, n- nobody was calling, right? There was nobody wanted him for whatever reason. Price, uh, you know, doesn't play the run. That was one of the knocks on him, but your numbers will say that he does play the run pretty well. At least now he does. You know, that whatever dynamics were going on, you know, he, there was no trading for him. There was no one. I think the Chiefs' first choice was to trade down at 32. I think they like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think they would have been thrilled to get him at like, you know, 38, you know, 42, 44, and maybe they could have gotten him there. But once the quarterback went off the board, Jordan Love went off the board, there were no calls. And so they were locked in at 32. So you can't trade down. And who's the spot you're going to go grab that you know is going to be definitively better? They also had Damian Williams uh, opt out. And, and I think, you know, the running back was a need. And like I said, when you've already set forward on the course that we're all in, run it back is what we're going to do, and we're about winning a second Super Bowl more than we are being in position to win a third, a fourth, and a fifth over the next 10 years, then you're kind of just sticking with plan A when you do it. So is there someone, Chase Claypool, right? I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys. Wideout is definitely going to be a big need for this team moving forward because Sammy Watkins, they got to move on from. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, they should move on from. Uh, and McCole Hardman is never going to be D- DK Metcalf. Uh, and they're, and they're, that's always going to be hanging around his neck. So they need a wideout. Yeah, there's probably a guy that maybe would be better, but I don't have a problem with the pick that they did end up taking because I thought he was the best running back fit for the Chiefs in this draft. Yeah, he's been generational. The, uh, the Chiefs have struggled <laughs> at times in the red zone. They don't have a big receiver, right? Even their tight end is kind of a, a separation guy. I think Higgins would have really helped their offense. Yeah, you know, as a, as a sort of a boxing out kind of, you know, yeah. um, you know, like Demarcus Robinson's uncle, Marcus Robinson, is actually like a wide receiver that the Chiefs could like that kind of player is somebody they could really use like a jump he's available ball. Now he is right. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's some like the Chiefs have always, and that's why they took a, a swing at Calvin Benjamin. Now you can't miss him, right? Right. Um, but uh, but they were they were really they they've always looked for that receiver who could kind of make be, be physical in the red zone. Um, I think Higgins was maybe the miss there. I do agree. Like Edward Tillers played fine, um, but it's been, yeah, but it's I been noticeable. On, it, it just it's just interesting. It, act, uh, it actually has George. I mean, I know you. I know this is your whipping boy. I I but just like, I don't think against so. the Texans. I, there was no Le'Veon Bell, and you know there is an element that he does bring to the team. You know, I will say this, though. He, he has not been able to punch it in at the goal line. And that's the big concern around here right now is red zone, red zone, red zone, which is small sample size. Like, they were ninth mm-hmm. in the NFL in red zone a couple of weeks ago. Now they've had two bad weeks. I think they're 24th because they've been so bad. That would be a bigger – like, if this is 1993 and it's the Marty Schottenheimer Chiefs, that every touchdown they score will have six snaps in the red zone, <laughs> like, I would be panicking about that mm-hmm. scenario. But this team scores from outside the red zone like no team has before it. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 they have ways to get it in the end zone, and they have a kicker that cashes in. 
frankly, if they keep putting up field goals, you know from outside the red zone they're going to get two touchdowns. And if they have four field goals, you're at 26 points. Yeah. And so that's still a tough number for other teams to crack. And Patrick Mahomes has won his last nine games that the Chiefs haven't scored 30. So the defense is at least doing something right. Yeah, I, I think – I think their big <clears throat> offseason need is is a is a, a player like they've tried and I there's number two tight end has been a, a utter disgrace for like oh. ten years and they like they have literally but at least they have a lot of two tight end sets they like to run because of that yeah it's it's weird I mean so that that to me would have been the place the the, the hard part for Edwards Lair is their offensive line is so soft in the middle that they don't punch the ball in the way that an, a, a kind of a normal football team would but nonetheless. Um, Seren, what is your... But just, but just on that, why Edwards Hilaire makes sense, too, is because he's a stop-start, jump-cut guy that he actually can make up for some of the inadequacies in their offensive line. They've got a bunch of, you know, power forwards, basketball power forwards that pass block and nobody who can get low and root anybody out. So he's actually a good back. I, I think especially when the game slows down a little bit, he'll be a more effective back with the kind of blocking that they have, which is a weak run-blocking team. Yeah, so... Chiefs laying seven this week. Chiefs 0-4 against yes, the spread right. last four weeks. What do you think about this game, Seren? I mean, like double up, catch up. So whatever you lost last time, keep pouring it on. Oh, like the Martingale. No, there's no way that they're going to ice out the rest of the year. There's, there's no way they're not going to cover the rest of the year. And to me, I like them better in these situations where games are supposed to be com competitive and you get it down to one score. Mm -hmm. I know you guys were talking last time about tease this game down. Like that's one of your anchor teases because you can get the Chiefs down to one point and all they got to do basically are one and a half I think at the time when you guys were looking at the number. And all they got to do is, is you know, win the game and you've got that half of the teaser in. I, I, I think that, you know, there is an avalanche coming. There is a Chiefs beatdown coming. And I think a Dolphins team that is offensively challenged may very well be that team. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. I, the Dolphins defense has been beating up on bad quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is not that quarterback. And what you said, maybe my favorite thing that you said uh, right at the beginning, Patrick Mahomes is playing much better yeah. than he was last year. Last year, he was trying to come back from injury, multiple injuries. Now, everyone forgets that because he was amazing in the playoffs. But during the regular season, he was injured. I mean, they were 6-4 and four at one time last year. Yeah. Like, it, I, it's, it, he is, the uh, bar is so much higher now, and he's reaching it. Is Patrick Mahomes the MVP? Yes. I, I believe so for the reasons we've talked about. Uh, and, and if Aaron Rodgers wins it, I, listen, you're not going to hear any screaming and yelling from me. He's been brilliant as well. But, I, I mean, I've seen what the difference is between Mahomes and Alex Smith. And, you know, we, I, we like Alex Smith in Kansas City. He did a great job. But, you know, when he got the ball the other night, we had some texts, the guys, Jed, who works with me and Curtis, mm -hmm. and we were texting, and he goes, okay, we find out what Alex Smith is right now. Like, I love this. By the way, at 35, we're going to finally get to the bottom of what he is. <laughs> uh, I said, okay, let me tell you what's coming. Dink, dunk, dink, punt. Yes, that's great. And I, and I was wrong. It was like dink, dunk, dink, dink, dunk, dink, dink, dunk, dink, field goal, right, which then put the other team on the field with a chance to win. And All he does know, is the, win. The, the ball gets tipped, and, and there's an interception, and they win. You didn't – Alex Smith did his job. I'll credit. He gave his team a lead, but he didn't finish the game. He didn't make Pittsburgh have to go get seven. The, the, the football team's defense ended up getting that done. And if you even look at his last three plays, you know, his last three plays, they got into field goal range. They went run play two yards. 
They went bubble screen, throw three yards behind the line, lose two yards, and then incompletion two yards short of the first down marker, Mm -hmm. right? Patrick Mahomes, it's 20 yards, 15 yards. Against the Raiders, six of seven for 70-some-odd yards, you know, and a touchdown. And that is the part where when he has to have it, he'll go get it. When they get the fourth down, gets added into the equation, and Reed's been – you know, aggressive compared to other NFL coaches, but he needs to get even more aggressive because you got a guy who's completing 67% of his passes and anyone anywhere on the field that's open, he'll get him the football. And so that's going to be difficult for anybody to stop. So when someone says Aaron Rodgers has a worse supporting cast, your response is? I mean, Devontae Adams versus Tyreek Hill. I know a lot gets made of when they were picked, but, you know, Tyreek Hill was a fifth-round pick. Travis Kelsey was a third-round pick. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, I think, was like a fourth Um, You know, they did sign Sammy Watkins for big money, but he's not that great, right? So, like, where they they have guys that are great, like, but Devontae Adams is great, but somehow it doesn't count because he wasn't a first-round pick, and there's that stat about Mercedes Lewis being the only first-round pick that's ever caught a touchdown uh, from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Alan Lazard wasn't drafted. All right, that's fine. Neither was Damian Williams. But Mm. somehow the Chiefs were talented because they've got Damian Williams in the backfield last year. So I I think the Packers have talent, but – it, because because there's that unique stat about no first-rounders around mm-hmm. Rodgers, it gets discounted more. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I know is nothing great, but he's a big, tall, long, fast wideout. And every now and then, they don't cover him. And when he runs wide open down the field, Rodgers hits him. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing with Demarcus Robinson. Every now and then, Mahomes scrambles around for nine seconds, and the DB loses Demarcus Robinson, and he catches a ball in the end zone, and people think he's great. And I hope they do think he's great, and somebody gives him a big free agent contract <laughs> and the Chiefs get draft picks for him next year. Because I'm here to tell you, he's not great. The uh, Also, Mitchell Schwartz is like the fourth best player on the offense, and he's been out the whole year. Mm-hmm. The Packers' offensive line is a lot better than the Chiefs. I mean, I would just and- say – the, it is close. I think Rodgers has had a fantastic year, and I think people yeah. are going to probably gravitate to voting for him because he's played so much better this year than he did last year, whereas Mahomes has sort of continued to play the way he's played the whole time. The, the narrative around yeah. the Rodgers revenge tour, absolutely. I w- my response would be, okay, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah, Watson. <laughs> like, talk about a guy whose supporting cast has just been burned to the ground. Uh, I want to give you one, get you out of here on this. You've been incredibly generous okay. with your time. You are in Kansas City, you talk to Mahomes and Reed and all these guys, and I just love hearing stories. Do you have any story that you like to tell? Maybe it's it's something that people in Kansas City would know, but you know, we're out here in Cincinnati freezing our asses off, eating chili. Is it is it uh, just anything about the Chiefs like behind the scenes? Anything, anything. Uh, I, I'll give you one. Uh, so Andy Reed, uh, I have on the show last year, and you guys know at the end of uh, my interviews, I do a thing called the final four, which mm-hmm. is just kind of four off the wall questions. And so with Reed, uh, it was getting on towards Halloween. And I said, uh, what's your favorite Halloween candy? And he says, peanut M&Ms, you know, they just speak to me. Right. So there's a group of guys of which I know one of the guys, they're, they're construction workers and they're called the lot J Wingnuts, I think. Uh, is what they call themselves and they are out waiting in line in normal times right now there's limited capacity but this is last year normal times they're out at like six o'clock in the morning parked with the pre-tailgate going on as they wait for them to open the gates to get in and so as andy reed comes in and the player or coaches that'll come in players aren't getting there that early usually but as they come in they block this left 
lane for the coaches to come by. Well, the wing nuts all line up along there, mm-hmm. right? And they're on that left side. So as Coach Reed comes in, they all talk to him. They wave. He knows. He puts the window down. He chats with him for a little bit on his way in. And they gave him, like, 20 bags of the one-pound peanut <laughs> M&Ms, right? And, and so I, I bring him on, like, a month later. I have him on, and we're talking. And he's like, yeah, by the way, you got to stop because I'm going to be, like, 400 pounds because I got all these peanut M&Ms from the guys out at the stadium. And I said, well, okay, then, what's your favorite vegetable? <laughs> and he says, tomatoes. And so next game, he's rolling in, and they've got all these uh, things of tomatoes for him, ready to give it to him. So Reed, who's – he's Mr. Coach speak, and he's he's very, like, I think people – because he does such a good job of being kind of jovial, and certainly mm-hmm. people have been rooting for him for a couple of years. You don't realize how much of a stone-cold control freak he is – but he still has time for the fans and interacts with them. And those guys absolutely adore him because he gives them just a couple of minutes, maybe like 45 seconds, two minutes tops on his way in and has that interaction with the fans that you know has, has made the game day experience very special for them. That's an awesome story. And he was very generous. He probably said tomatoes so that he could make some ketchup and give it to his <laughs> quarterback. Yeah. Look, at, look at him. Exactly. Saren, you are wonderful. We thank you for hanging out with us. And uh, I'm sad that you're not in Miami right now, you know, on South Beach. But we'll be there right. again. Florida, we'll be there yeah, again yeah. soon. We're that- looking for you. It will happen. And guys, hey, keep up the great work. You guys know it. You're my top podcast. I listen to you guys every single time. If I haven't heard you, it's number one on the board. So keep up the great work that you guys do. Saran Petro. Thanks, Saran. Legend. Thank you, sir. Saran Petro is a great man, good friend, awesome dude. He actually offered to, he wanted to send us, he has the barbecue hookup in Kansas City. I think he may or may not have already sent that to me. Yeah. How'd that? He's, it was amazing. He sent you barbecue from Kansas City. I mean, that, that is the that is a good man. He's a good person. Yeah, he's good people. Um, uh, he's also, like, really sharp about these things. Like, we oh, go on so we, smart guy. we go on a lot of radio shows. And obviously, we talk to very smart people. But, like... Of course. But it, it's, it's um, you know, when, when you go on with him, it's like you, you have to... You actually have to bring your A game because he's very, very good. Yes, he tests you. That's how you end up staying on the radio. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. that's how he's done it. Um, we will be back with you, you and I, Saturday night, PFF Daily Betting Podcast. It's always a ton of fun. And then, of course, uh, after the Buffalo Bills uh, beat the brakes off of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you and I will again be here. I may or may not bring a bottle of tequila in case that does happen. Just saying. Thank you guys for hanging out. We'll see you later. Peace. Peace.